When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, we're talking about all things summer, how to take advantage of this sweet season to refill our cups after a hard, nutty year. And today, I'm talking with Katie Bowman, biomechanist and best-selling author of many books, including Movement Matters and Move Your DNA. Katie's got a brand new book out that's as pretty as it is helpful and inspiring and thought-provoking as all her books are. It's called Grow Wild, The Whole Child, Whole Family, Nature-Rich Guide to Moving More. Katie is always so inspiring for getting your body moving in all the ways it was designed to move, including outside. And as a mom of two, now she's focusing on how we can get our kids doing it too. And after a year when a lot of kids were on screens more than ever, we need this advice more than ever. And good news, kids moving more means more movement for grownups too. So let's dive in. Katie, it's so great to have you here. Hi, Kate. Thank you for having me again. I love your your book and I love your show. Thanks. You write in your book that kids are more sedentary than they have ever been. And we all basically know that moving isn't healthy and can lead to things like obesity and disease. But can you open the lens a little wider for us and talk about some of the big picture ways that movement matters for kids? Uh, Certainly. There is that general health reasoning that we all know we need to move. But with kids, it's a little bit different because this period of their lives is when they are forming the shape of their body that will take them into adulthood. So, you know, I think many people know that babies come with more cartilage uh, than they do bone, you know, that, that we as babies are quite malleable to the environments that we're placed in. And, you know, in the the first year and the first two, two years are important as far as as far as forming our anatomy, you know, like literally the shape of our bones and how they are able to articulate. But that window, while it's never, while we're never as soft as we are as babies, as toddlers, we're more malleable than we are as in middle childhood and middle childhood children are more malleable than they are as teens and teens are still more malleable than they will be when they become young adults and older adults. So it's really important as far as our structure goes. But also, which I bring up in Grow Wild is we can think about movement as something that is beyond maybe our own physical structure. We can think about the habits 
that we are acquiring because we are quite malleable um, in that, in our psychology, I would say, as children too. So we're developing sort of the way we are in the world. We're developing our habits that will take us into adulthood. And we're understanding how movement works. You know, I write a lot about sedentary culture. Um, we are growing more and more sedentary, not only as individuals, but our culture, our society is really set up on us moving less. It often depends on us not moving very much. And so in childhood is a really great time to introduce movement, not only for those health benefits and for those physiological benefits, but because it's the knowledge, it's the purpose of movement and how movement works in the world um, and how movement works ecologically with these larger systems that we participate within. Oh, so much good food for thought in there. I mean, when you wrote that kids are more sedentary than ever as a result of, you know, so many reasons, this was even before COVID hit, you know, and then right. the pandemic came down and all these, a lot of things that kid, got kids moving were just all of a sudden gone, like walking to and from school, which used to be my, <laughs> one of my kids' major forms of uh, movement. And then they even closed playgrounds and not to mention, you know, sports and activities and stuff. And kids could still go outside, although in some cities you weren't even supposed to leave your house for a while. And, you know, kids were home from school, parents needed to work parents needed kids out of their hair. It was sort of like, oh my God, you're happy on the screen. Stay on the screen. Like, right. It's fine. I just need this moment to myself. So now we have this opportunity. It's summer. Things are easing up a little bit. But how do we kind of capitalize on this moment? Do we need to think about recouping lost ground or, or what do we do? Like to just <laughs> orient me in this moment. Like what am I supposed to be focusing on? Exactly. Well, I mean, it's, uh, this is, this is the foundation of, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of the discussions that I'm having with parents right mm -hmm. now, it's, it's, it's sort of a ubiquitous issue. So there is no, there is no, you can't restore lost ground, right? Like time mm -hmm. is just moving forward. So you're not going to make up for lost time, but you can, you can really uh, look at it as how what, what landscape am I going to create? So we're talking about summer, right? Like this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a little bit of freedom from the daily time constraints of school, I would say, mm -hmm. is a big limiting factor for many people. You know, how do you reduce screen time when screen time is required for education mm -hmm. um, in many cases? And then it's also, I would say, a time when uh, grownups too have more leeway. I think um, if you are fortunate enough to have vacation time, it's often during this time that we take it. We tend to use, I mean, it's just the weather. I mean, I think in the end, it really is just the weather. The weather we st so strongly associate slowing down and going outside and community time and celebrations and nature with nice weather. <laughs> so, so we just tend to take advantage of that. Um, and so that, I guess that's the, the top of the bullet list of what do we do right now? And it's take advantage of every opportunity that comes our way for more outside time, for sure. But I think it's also 
we tend to look at the parts of our lives that are the least malleable Mm -hmm. and focus on that. It's like, well, I can't do anything about this. I have this job. I have this deadline. I have this work time. But we don't really look at our free time in the same way. So mornings, before work, after work, weekends, that's going to be your period of time where you want to make sure that you're not doing the behaviors that you're trying to get away from during the times that they're not essential. So yes, maybe you have to be on your laptop or maybe your kids have to be on their laptop for school or work, but it's all that extra time around that essential time that sort of creeps in and ends up sucking sucking our time dry. Right. One of the ways that you think about time that I really love so much and have enjoyed kind of playing with in my own life is this idea about stacking your life where you can meet a lot of different needs in one activity. Can you talk about what that is so that maybe we could start to think about how to use our free time in this way that helps us feel like we have more time to do the things that we want to do? Well, so stack your life is this idea that we all have essential needs and they're the same. You know, we need food and rest and we need uh, relationships and we need nature and we need movement. We need to eat. (laughs) So these are, these are just basic human needs. We all meet our needs differently. So maybe you can plan on ordering your food in for a restaurant to meet that food need. Maybe you've got to go to the grocery store and maybe you need to go take an exercise class or you go take a walk. We, we figure out how we're going to meet our needs individually. But, but what's fairly common right now in this culture is we tend to meet our needs one at a time. So stack your life is this idea that while you have, while we have the same needs, we don't actually have to meet them one at a time, that you can meet multiple needs at the same time by selecting tasks uh, that meet multiple needs, which is quite different than multitasking. Multitasking is trying to do a lot of things at once, where stacking your life is more like, well, no, you're going to try to find one task that better meets multiple needs, because it's really hard to be mindful, be like slow enough to engage in the period of time with the people that are around you when you're trying to constantly shuffle through a variety of tasks. So for example, summer's coming up, you're asking about what do we do? Well, we go outside, but, but, but why would we go outside? Well, berry picking season is going to be here. Wild berries, farm berries, it doesn't matter. They're coming up this summer. So an excursion or a plan to go out to a berry farm or to take a hike where you know that there are berries, that's a task. You're picking that. And what does it provide you? It gives you nature time. It usually gives you some sort of snack or treat. Maybe you come home and make jam or maybe you make fruit leather or maybe you make strawberry shortcake or maybe you just eat them all right there in the patch, which is totally fine too. But you also have family time. You're also slowing down a little bit and you're recognizing plants, you're tuning into like, wow, nature provides. There's information here about where food comes from that we are frightfully disconnected from as a society. So it's just one task, but it meets multiple needs, especially if especially if you uh, bring a picnic to it where you try to extend your period of time while you're doing it. If you add a walk 
to it. You are taking one event, but you're sort of languishing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're stretching it out over a longer period of time because we tend to switch through individual tasks very quickly and there's always a loss of time. So anytime you switch between tasks, there's this period of time when when you talk about children, we call it transitions, right? We're like, oh, mm-hmm. you have to transition from this to that. And transitions is always that period of time where there's like chaos. Some kids have a harder time with transitions. I argue that adults don't do any better at transitions either. And that's why we just sit and continue to watch Netflix <laughs> because transitioning <laughs> transitioning to anything else is hard. It's hard. Overcoming inertia is challenging. So when you start to look for tasks that um, meet multiple needs, you find that you can spend more time doing one thing because you're not worried about all the other things on your list to do. They're all being done during that task. Mm. I just feel like that you're talking about the the time that we lose when we're trying to do a lot of things at once. I think you're talking about it sort of in the context of a day or or maybe even just you know, an hour or two, but that kind of is, I think so many people's experience of just parenthood, you're just shifting from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And then the next thing you know, they're leaving, they're in high school. And my kids are now 13 and 11. And I'm, I'm starting feeling like this a little bit like, whoa, (laughs) I got to slow things down. So I just, and, and I also have been realizing lately, just this week, I was like, you know what? I always talk about how my kids aren't good at transitions. I'm terrible at them. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so, I, I just hear the narrative all the time. All the things that I think we complain about with kids, or maybe it's not even a complaint, just noticing. I'm like, those are my things. Like, I think they're just the things of this society. It's just way easier when you are sort of in charge of managing someone else and maybe aren't managing yourself as well. You're like, look at all, look at that, look at all those challenges over there. Right. Um, so yeah. it's just easier to work on them yourself. Well, in the coaching world, we, we they call it, you spot it, you got it. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> so, okay. Stacking your life gets us to slow down, gets us to spend time with family, gets us to meet a bunch of different needs. Can you give some other examples of things that we can do to get kids outside and moving around and together? Because I have to say, now that my kids are older, I feel like I have to put my foot up their butt (laughs) (laughs) to get them outside. They just don't really, they don't want to go in the way that they used to. So help me. I know. Help me and other moms. (laughs) I know. So first of all, like I'm not a parenting expert. So I just know I, and I am regularly putting my foot down and up and across and, you know, throwing my own temper tantrums. So I'm right there with everyone. But what's, what's, what's helped me is to recognize, you know, what are the needs? What are the children's, like, I know what, I know what children need, um, what, what essentials they need for their physiology, for their body. We know what those are, right? It's They need dietary nutrients and they need movement and they need air and they need natural sunlight and they need friend time, peer time. And we know that these are their needs, but it just becomes so challenging when you're looking at what they're doing and you're like, that's not meeting any mm-hmm. of their needs. It's easy to make that assumption. So I always start with like, what need is being met here. And I think that with screen time, essentially, I mean, there's the obvious mandatory 
screen time that came with just them meeting their educational need. But also Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a peer, it's been a source of uh, peers and entertainment because as you pointed out, like the way that we had set up our lives is also very um, individual task, right? You go here to exercise, you go here uh, for your kids, you know, their activities, their sports, their clubs, their classes, friend time, or play dates over here. So my time for parenting is really here. And it is also separated that when it all quickly unified into like, no, you have to meet it all where you are, we didn't have the framework to be able to do that. So I think it's just more to look at for my own kids, for example, what do they like? What what are they what are they doing instead of going outside? See what they like. So for example, if you have a kid who loves Dungeons and Dragons, you know, or mm-hmm. or some sort of fantasy game like that, I created a walking version. I was like, great. We're going to do the walking Dungeons and Dragons, you know, get your friends and we'll go outside and we're going to do it over this five mile track. And then I I try to make it fun because I think that life, life is for celebrating and for being fun. It's just that what makes it fun is anything that's sort of, uh, to me, easily titillating or easily stimulating. So sugar is like that. Like sugar is just an easy way. I mean, literally, it's just simple energy. I don't have to do very much work to be energized if I choose sugar as my food. I have to do a lot more work in my body to create energy out of anything else that's not a simple sugar. And it's the mm-hmm. same with entertainment. It streams in. I can sit right here. It goes on forever. I have endless options like why would i step away and the grown-ups aren't stepping away either frankly and so it's really hard it's no wonder that kids have a hard time stepping away because we're like inside on our devices going you should go outside it's good for you and <laughs> and it's just like a really like kids don't understand like that's not the way that they learn animals mammals especially really use learn through mimicry mimicking modeling more so than the language or the words there's many levels to learning and so I have found that the easiest way to get my kids outside is by going outside. Mm. And again, you can max, like if you're feeling like, well, that would be great, but I'm, um, you know, I have to be inside to work. It's like, well, then look at those early morning hours, those evening hours where maybe what you used to do was take in family entertainment or maybe since now the whole day has become a computer that our old habits of evening devices or entertainment can shift to something new, which is picnics, outside dinner. You know, one thing we started to do, which maybe this won't be helpful. I had a kid who really liked cooking shows. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to sit and watch cooking shows. It's an entire, and I like cooking shows too, frankly, but it's another thing to actually physically embody your enjoyment of a cooking show. It's not, it's just like watching you know, animals on Mutual of Omaha and going, wow, nature's amazing, you know, as you're sitting on your couch. It's like, get get some of that thing that you love. So we started hosting, especially when we were really locked down, family top chef challenges where mm. I put out everything. And it was a surprise because this because children love novel and surprise and celebration. Like you doing just a little bit of work to make something out of the ordinary. So it took all of my food, you know, all these cool ingredients, put them on the living room, you know, put them on the dining room table when they weren't 
aware of it and then called in and like, okay, the clock is set. You have Ooh. 20 minutes to come up with an hors d'oeuvre. Mm. And, and then, and so now what I end up doing, this is where it's a task. I don't have to make dinner now. I don't, I don't have to engage in my day in that same way that, I mean, we talked about this years ago um, in a podcast, which was the idea of having dinner for breakfast was so radical mm-hmm. for people, you know, mm-hmm. to break out of this norm. We're so limited in our creativity because we're like, there's breakfast foods and there's dinner foods. There's what we do in the evening um, and there's what we do in the morning and what we do in the day. I'm like, none of that really holds. That's just what you do. Pick something different. Our Top Chef challenges have turned into outdoor fire cooking, Top Chef birthday parties that involve neighbors and community. And our kids are frankly now excellent cooks. Like they, and it's, it's just a TV show, right? You could sit around and binge watch it or you can be it. So it's, right. it's just thinking about stuff like that. Oh my gosh, I love that. That is so brilliant. I'm sitting here thinking like, how can I turn anime into my kid's cooking dinner? Or <laughs> right. or, or that 70s show, which my daughter is fascinated with. <laughs> can I put out like a bunch of wigs and bell bottoms? In you the- can throw a 70s <laughs> party. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're like, oh, they're interested in this for a, like, a reason. Like you can, you can have, um, you know, throw a party that's themed along that way. They're in that space. I mean, I think with kids getting into their page, like, what are you interested in and and why? And um, we definitely stretch a celebration into months, meaning like if a celebration, like a holiday is coming up, I also have a kid who loves anime, pulling out all the books and um, doing all our hairs and these hairstyles. What would it be like to wear this as a costume? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just sort of that you are engaging you're engaging with them in their interests rather than always focusing on, I know it's good for you to be off the screen, go do this. It just, it just needs more work. And it needs more work from us as parents in that way, for sure. But it's not difficult work. It's just engaging on their, not even on their level, at their rate, which is often much slower than ours. It sounds like some of the work is, is, this slowing down that you're talking about to really think about what their need is and what they like and being able to get in that space where you can think creatively, which you can't when you're trying to do three things at once, what have you. I think that's an intriguing and compelling challenge, you know, as opposed to thinking about how you're going to, (laughs) what tone of voice, how you're going to yell at them to get outside. Um, It's a lot more, it's a lot more fun. It It is. And I also, you know, I, I went through a period of time. This is just another, again, the top chef example, because I'm always looking at they need to eat. Like, So kids need to eat. It just seems to be like if you asked me what I did for a living, I would say dishes like, like <laughs> more so than anything else. Like I feel like I'm in the kitchen as an adult, especially with children. So I looked for tasks that allowed them to not only like meet us to be with them and, you know, them to learn something, but also them to eat. Right. So then that's done. But I also love and need to be able to step away to do my work. So my one solution for that was set up the laptop for them to record a cooking show. Mm. So yes, they are on a device, but it's not on a device in the way that they, that we're used to thinking. I mean, in Grow Wild, that was why I said, we really need to we really need to break down what we mean by being on a device. Does that mean I'm concerned with my child curled up in a position and the effect of being a device on their spine and their lack of movement? Is it I'm afraid of or concerned about 
the content that they're consuming? Is it the the media portion? you know, and what they're learning or not learning. So for me, I felt quite fine opening up my laptop and putting on photo booth, which is just recording what they do and letting them spend two hours making cooking shows together. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an element of, you know, I always think of, I think of so much of what's happening right now on social media as creation of art and performance self-portraits, you know, like all these things are happening, perhaps because the outlet for doing them in other ways has gone away. And Mm -hmm. so if you can create the space for them to still do the things that, you know, maybe they're in a play, maybe they make the play on the foot, like they're not even giving it to anyone, they're still doing it for themselves, but they can participate in the, perhaps the world that they're thinking of, you know, online or just on media. So it's just meeting, it's just meeting them halfway, meeting the culture where it is, but allowing them to participate in more than just being a consumer of media, but still being creative and still moving around and still learning other things at the same time. Sounds great. Quick before we go, I know you've been doing a lot of interviews for Grow Wild and getting a lot of reviews. Is there something that a lot of folks have been missing in their takeaway of your approach to getting kids outside and moving? Yes. And I think so, you know, we talk about I I talk often about these general concepts of just getting kids up and out and moving around and standing up, you know, and just basic levels of activity, increasing their basic level of activity. But really what's more critical to what we talked about as far as, you know, what kids need in terms of movement is actually quite specific. Each tissue in the body needs different things. So your eyeballs need different movements than your shoulders need, and your shoulders need different movements than your hips do, and your bones need very specific types of movement. And so I think because our kids are so um, undermoved, we are, but again, they were undermoved before, but now because they're really undermoved for like, if I could just increase steps Mm. per day, I would be thrilled. And that's, and that's a, a wonderful objective. But at the same time, we were already at the point where most of their tissues, even when their steps per day was, you know, walking to school and sort of you know, having some daily activity was making them more move than they are now. Even that was not getting to the heart of what a variety of their pieces needed. And so I think because of su- we're in such a movement drought, the chapter in the book that's really like, here's how to evaluate their total activities so that you can see which body parts are getting moved and which ones aren't has been totally lost because it's it's way too overwhelming to think about move, movement, a movement diet and to assess it for movement nutrients when we are movement starved. So I just want to make sure that we don't overlook really the technical wide range of movements kids' bodies need just because we're in a movement drought, because I think we can do both at the same time. So that's what, that's what I just, no one's asking me questions about that. And I'm like, oh, this is really the nitty gritty mm. of the book, but we'll get there. I think we'll get there. Right. Well, I mean, if, if, if we're kind of starting from, from, from zero, then better to be thinking about 
really the destin the final destination as opposed to just triage. So I can see how that's applicable even now. But tell me and us so that when we read the book, what chapter it is. It's activities. It's okay. it's the chapter activities, and I actually uh, just created a sheet that you can print off from my website because I was alluding to you know here's how you would evaluate activities and here's all the categories. But I was like, really, in this day and age, we need to like give me the sheet, print it out. I want to fill it out. Like just so I went and created that whole worksheet for you so that you can print one off for everyone, including adults, so that you can see like, oh, I see right now we're not doing anything that moves your shoulders. Or I see right now there's nothing here that's um, loading your bones because because we do we are starting because we are starting from zero the assumption is eating something is better than eating nothing and while that's true we really have the option to pick our movement diet at this point and so mm-hmm. it's it's helpful to know so you can I'll get you a link to that so you can share it too okay great yes I will absolutely share it and for folks who just want to connect with you more find your book where can they find you at Nutritious Movement Everything, nutritiousmovement.com, and then the Nutritious Movement on various social media platforms. I'll be there. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll be reaching out. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, Kate. Hey, this is Kate. Your tiny assignment is to do a little bit of that creative thinking that Katie was talking about in terms of what's it going to be that gets your kids to happily go outside and move their bodies and have fun and be in nature. It's an easy thing to say, but it does require that you be in this space where you can think creatively and sort of critically and think, what need are they trying to meet by being inside and interacting with their screens kind of continually? Or what is it that they love and they're so excited about? And how could we do that in a way that actually stacks with a need for movement and a need for nature? I'm still brewing on this. How can we take (laughs) a love for all things 70s outside? (laughs) I'm going to keep thinking about it. And if I come up with something, I'll let you know. That's it for today. I hope that you'll come back tomorrow when I'm talking about how to get enough sleep despite the light and heat of summer. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 